Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Locked On Clippers. I'm your host, Lucas Han. Today is Friday, January 13th, 2017. Yeah, Friday the 13th, bad luck episode. Um, I'm going to get into the Clippers versus Lakers game tomorrow a little bit. I want to just briefly preview that. And then later in the episode, I'm going to start going over some mid-season grades. I want to break this up over the course of several episodes, so it's not like one or two episodes of just mid-season grades, but I do want to kind of assess how each player has individually performed compared to what our expectations may have been for them prior to the season. Um, so looking immediately into tomorrow's game against the Lakers, which is kind of a big deal because the Clippers already lost to this team on Christmas Day, and one of the tiebreakers in the NBA playoff seeding is division record. So you know, the Clippers aren't going to win their division because the Warriors are in there. That really narrows their margin for error. error. They have to take care of business in games against the Lakers, Kings, and Suns so that their division record can stay good. Um, as far as the Lakers go, you know, the Clippers are definitely on the good side of town. <laughs> it's been the case for the last few years, but it's the case now for sure. Um, the Lakers just lost by 40 points to the San Antonio Spurs last night, um, Thursday night. And, you know, it's been a rough season. It's been a rough few seasons for the Lakers. There's no denying it. Um, but they've got, they've built some good young pieces. They have a decent core. They still haven't really fleshed out a full roster yet. They don't have the right combination of veterans to carry their young guys over the top. I know that they hoped that guys like Lou Williams, um, Lou Aldang, Timofey Mozgov would be those guys. And Williams is having a good year, but... You know, Dang and Mozgov are just not, they aren't that guy. Dang used to be, but he's not there anymore. He's not at that point in his career. And Timofey Mozgov um, was a waste of money. But what's important, I think, for the Clippers in this matchup is that I, I've talked about this pretty much every game in the last week, 10 days, that the Clippers are going to be better against teams where Austin Rivers can match up against their opponent's small forward. That's just the Clippers. If, if Austin Rivers can be on the floor, the Clippers can have their best player out on, not their best player, not that Austin's their best player, but they can have their best players on the court. They're better with Austin Rivers than they are with Wesley Johnson if they can get away with it size-wise. And I think they'll be able to. Luol Deng is obviously a big guy, but he's been awful this year. 
He's only scoring eight points a game. He's under 40% from the field. He doesn't scare me. I'm not, I'm not worried about him. I don't think the Clippers are worried about him either. Um, Brandon Ingram comes off the bench, the number two pick from this year's draft, but he's still learning. You know, I really like Brandon Ingram, actually, but right now he's shooting 37% from the field and 28% from deep. So, again, it's not a guy who you're super scared of. He's still learning the game. He's still developing. And the only other guy that they really might throw out there at small forward would be Nick Young. And Nick Young is actually having a great year for the Lakers. Um, he's shooting like 43% from deep, playing excellent basketball. But he's the kind of small forward that Austin can actually handle. You know, Nick is really more of a shooting guard than a small forward. And even though he's 6'7", which gives him a height advantage over Austin, he doesn't have the strength. You know, Aaron Gordon bullied Austin Rivers. Nick Young isn't going to bully Austin Rivers. He's just a little bit taller than him. I think with this Lakers team, what you have to look out for is just kind of the the ensemble of high-scoring guards that can just jump on you. It's kind of like a college team in that respect where a lot of college teams are forced to go small because they don't have skilled forwards and big men, They but they have a wealth of skilled guards. Um, the Lakers don't play super small because they're an NBA team and they still have to match up size-wise, so they're starting Mozgov and they're starting Dang at the 5 and the 3, but four of their five best players are probably Lou Williams, D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young, and Jordan Clarkson. Four guards, basically. Um, and any of those guys can go off on a given night. Any of those guys can carry the team's offense for a quarter. Any of those guys can be the main star on a night when they upset a team like the Clippers. So that's what you have to watch for. Is they just have that wealth of guards. Um, they, you know, a bunch of guys who can who can beat you in the backcourt with their scoring ability. Now, the one big guy that you do worry about is Julius Randle. Um, you know, he he scores for himself, obviously, but what he does that brings us kind of a special dimension is he creates for others with the dribble, with the pass. I think he's averaging around four assists a game. Um, so it's actually probably a good thing for the Clippers, or at least a, a silver lining to having Blake out for this game, is that it gives you a little more coverage to let Luke and Bamute match up with Julius Randle all night. And I think Luke, you know, Randle has some some heft, a little more heft to him than Luke does. But the way that he plays, um, where he really hurts you with his passing ability, Luke should be able to help the Clippers a lot in that aspect. Now, if you want to catch that Clippers-Lakers game or any other game this season, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games that you want to see up close and in person. There's nothing like being in at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or for any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on um, where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. Best of all is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, 
Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LO Clippers and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LO Clippers today. Now, getting into the second part of the episode, I want to talk about some of these mid-season grades for the Clippers individual players. Um, we'll just get some easy ones out of the way. Um, you know, Diamond Stone and Bryce Johnson, the Clippers' two rookies, they took Bryce Johnson with the 25th pick. They took Diamond Stone with pick number 39. Um, you know, Bryce has been hurt. He hasn't, whatever expectations we may have had for him, he hasn't even had a chance to fall short because he hasn't had a chance to get on the court. Um, it's like he's getting, for first semester of his freshman year, we're giving him like a, a medical waiver. So it, he's not getting any, he's not earning anything. He's not earning credits, getting some good grades from us yet, but you can't hold it against him that he's had a major injury. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see him in the, in the second you know, in the second half of the season and see what, you know, really see what um, what he can bring and maybe what we should expect from him going into his second season. Now, with Diamond Stone, it's hard to grade Diamond. It really is. And it's hard to grade a lot of the, these guys because, you know, what's good for Allen Anderson might still be worse than Jamal Crawford, but Jamal Crawford might be playing poorly. So how do you grade these guys without just ranking them from best to worst. Um, so what I do is I, I grade them individually. So one guy getting a C and one guy getting an F doesn't mean that the guy who got a C is better than the guy who got an F at basketball. It means that in terms of what I expect from them um, and their role on the team, whether they fulfilled it to a good level, a great level, a poor level, etc. Um, but so Diamond, I think I'm giving just an incomplete two. He's not even enrolled in school, really. Um, he's only played in, I think, four games with the Clippers. He's 19 years old. He was never expected to get playing time. Um, and I, it counts against him a little bit that he's struggled to get minutes even down in the D-League. But it's hard to, to really put too much stock in you know four benchings in the D-League. If we're talking about like a college course giving out semester grades, Diamond's still in high school. This is like, you know, it's he's at a completely different level in his development, and that's okay. Right now, that's that's where he is, but it's hard to include him in this picture. So we're going like medical waiver for Bryce Johnson, incomplete for Diamond Stone, and now we're going to get into really some of the bench guys and where they figure in. Um, again, you know, I don't want anyone jumping on me like, oh, you gave player X a worse grade than player Y. But player Y has been better. It's it's not about that. It's a combination of overall play and play versus my expectations for them. So I'll try to give a defense. Um, you know, obviously I'm going to give an explanation. I'm not just going to list names. But there's definitely a expectation game. It's far easier for a guy in the third string to bring in some energy and a few performances and make some shots and get a good grade than it is for someone in the starting lineup who we have big expectations for. Um, so just getting rolling with some of the bench guys, I'll start with Alan Anderson. Um, he hasn't contributed very much, but he also hasn't been asked to contribute very much. And when he has played, he's been pretty mediocre. Um, 
he's brought energy and effort, but his injuries have really slowed him down. And at this point, you know, he was once a very good perimeter defender, but now he's doing a lot of the Paul Pierce defense, which is, you know, make a nice closeout. And if the guy tries to drive past you, just grab him because you're too slow to keep up with him. And it's unfortunate to see Allen Anderson there because I kind of had high hopes for him. Um, and then on the other end of the floor, you know, you can't, I'm, I really don't want to read too much into, I think he's four of 12 from three this season. Like that sample size is so beyond meaningless um, to say that he's 33% because one more miss and he's at 25%, one more miss or one more make and he's up in the forties. It's, you know, when he's only has 12 attempts, but in his limited minutes and his limited touches, he hasn't been some kind of revelation offensively. He's been fine and bad on defense. So fine on offense, bad on defense, but brings good energy. He's been a good, you know, a good soldier on the bench for a guy who isn't playing, you know. So I'm giving him a C. That's, I think, it's a C. He hasn't done anything to move the needle much in either direction. Um, so now moving on to... Wesley Johnson. Now, I kind of had high expectations for Wes this year. I know a lot of people have had ex- expected him to maybe claim that starting small forward spot over Luke Mbamute, but I didn't think I didn't think he was going to do that. I don't think that's his game. Um, I think I don't think he can guard elite wings on the ball in the starting lineup night to night. I just don't think that's him. So I was expecting him to be a really good off-the-bench combo forward, playing good team defense and hitting shots. Now, what has he done so far? He's come off the bench as a combo forward, mostly playing the four, and he's played good team defense, but he can't buy a bucket. He really can't. You know, he he was injured last season. He had some foot injuries, and there was a lot of speculation that maybe getting healthy this year, he'd be able to make shots. You know, he, he made 33% of his threes last year, and we were thinking... Maybe this year that he's healthy, he'll be able to do better. He's at 26% from deep, and that's all that he does on offense is catch-and-shoot threes. It's it. That's it. If he tries to dribble, he turns it over. He can't do any... He's not hefty enough to really set screens. He does not do anything but stand in the corner and catch and shoot, and he's shooting only 26%. That's bad. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's just bad. Um. But he still does the things on defense that you'd want him to do. He rotates, he gets deflections, he gets back in transition. Um, it's just a lot of little things that that unit really, really needs because they play three guards, and they play those three guards, Felton, Crawford, and Rivers, with a guy in most spates who is not a amazing defender, even though he, he's in position a lot and... He's been better than I actually thought he would be. He's still not a great defender. He can't get out and switch pick and rolls or make really rotations on the perimeter or anything like that. Um, and especially because Jamal and Austin both tend to get lost off the ball defensively, having a guy like Wesley who's long and athletic and can cover for guys really helps. Um, and he's actually been better on the defensive glass than Brandon Bass has been. But that shooting... For a guy with no, really no offensive skill who isn't a defensive stopper but more like just a positive team defender, it's almost fatal for him to not be making shots like that. Um, so I'm going D-plus for Wesley Johnson. Even though I like what I've seen on defense, 
it just hasn't been enough with him not hitting threes to even secure the 10th man spot in the lineup. And I think with the Clippers giving him the mid-level exception this summer, you have to assume that they really thought he was going to be at least guy number 10 in the rotation. And I'm not sure that he's secured it so far. So that's disappointing to me. So I'm going D-plus for the first half of the season for Wesley Johnson. Number one thing on his to-do list, make more three-pointers. Um, okay, well, we'll do we'll do a couple more. Um, Paul Pierce. So I don't want to pile on Paul Pierce. Um, I talked about him a lot more last year when he was playing a lot more. This year, Doc's kept him out of the lineup. He's only played 12 games. He's only played 12 minutes a game in those 12 games. Um, and he's been sitting lately in the Clippers' winning streak. So Doc seems to be finally coming around to the fact that Paul Pierce just doesn't play basketball really at an NBA level anymore. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't defend. He doesn't hit shots, even though he's made some threes this year, better than last year. But he doesn't really do anything on offense. Um, and on defense, he's just a total, total liability. So he might be helping in the locker room, but that's hard to quantify. Um, but on the court, it's an F. And I don't want to pile on because Doc's benched him. And I, I thought it was a good... When the Clippers brought him in two summers ago, I was excited. So I'm not going to blame him for not retiring because the Clippers gave him a three-year contract. And he turned down two years, $12 million from Washington to take three years, $9 million from the Clippers. So I'm not going to blame him for sticking around and getting his $3 million for year two from the Clippers because the Clippers had to give him that contract to get him, and I thought it was great for the team that they would be getting him. So I don't blame him for sticking around. I don't blame the Clippers for giving him that contract in the first place, but I'm happy that Doc has finally benched him. Um, uh, yeah, you know, that's pretty much the, the book on Paul Pierce. Um, Brandon Bass, BB. I'm going with a B for Brandon Bass. Um, I think he's been better individually than Wesley Johnson, but... I don't think he does everything that the Clippers' second unit really needs from that backup power forward spot. Offensively, he really helped them, especially when Chris Paul was out, because his presence rolling to the rim, the amount of gravity that he brings, really made it easier for those slashing guards and the shooters on the second unit to get open. And he made defenses pay when they left him alone on those rolls. He's must be like second on the team in dunks this year in really limited minutes having not played most of the season but I think when this team is at, at full strength there's still some shortcomings in his game that are going to really hurt him um, hurt his chances to play big minutes on the team or, or really be a contributor defensively is obviously one thing um, it's not that he's necessarily been awful but he doesn't make up for everyone else's shortcomings in the ways that Wesley has been able to. And offensively, when he's not dunking, he's not doing much. Um, he's, you know, I, his mid-range shot has been weird and inconsistent, and his shot selection isn't always great. He takes some weird, like, turnarounds or contested mid-range shots when he should really either be looking for dunks or passing it around. I know he's been a shooter earlier in his career, but he doesn't look like a mid-range shooter this year. Um, 
So for that reason, you don't want him playing with DeAndre, which severely limits his minutes potential. And then because of the defensive shortcomings with that second unit, I think it's hard to really keep him on the floor when the team is fully healthy, especially if Wesley Johnson starts rounding into shape. And I think that when the Clippers cut down to a nine-man rotation at some point in the playoffs, I think that backup power forward position is the first spot to get cut. I think the Clippers will... It, you just look at it. You can't possibly bench most Spates. You can't bench Austin Rivers. You can't bench Raymond Felton. And unless Jamal Crawford continues to drop off a cliff, Doc Rivers is never going to bench Jamal Crawford. Those nine guys are going to play every game. You know, the Clippers could go every single game, every single series to seven games all the way through the finals. I feel like those nine guys are going to play every night. Brandon Bass and Wesley Johnson are the two guys who could fight to make it a conversation about 10 guys. But right now, I haven't seen enough from either of them to really put them in that conversation. Um, I thought Wesley would be. I was hopeful he would be. That's why he gets a D plus. Brandon Bass, I thought before the season that he'd be on the outside, and he's proved himself to be more helpful than I thought he would be. So I'm. that's why he gets a B from me. But I still think that he's he's the guy who gets trimmed when it comes to cutting the rotation down to nine. Um let's see. We'll do we'll do one more. We'll finish off with, with Jamal Crawford. So Jamal obviously is not much of a defensive player. Um he's paid to make shots. He's paid to create offense. That's his job. Um and when you look at it and his numbers on the season right now, he's shooting 40% from the field and 32% from the deep, or from from deep from three-point range. It's clear that he's not doing his job to an acceptable level. Um, he's had a few good games, especially with Chris Paul out. I, he's been bad recently, but you know when the Clippers got out of that losing streak, they beat the Suns, they beat the Grizzlies. He helped them. You know he. I don't think they win those games without him, and. When you get to a certain point, the team just has so few healthy players who can get their own shot. And Jamal's an asset because he creates offensively. This is something I've talked about in the last couple of weeks with the three-guard lineup where having two guys, Chris Paul and Austin Rivers, Raymond Felton and Jamal Crawford, having two of those guys out there who can create offense helps the offense move better. And even when Jamal is inefficient, he, cre- he can dribble the basketball into traffic. He can make a play for himself or for someone else. Um, but that said, when the team is healthy, when Chris and Blake are both back and the team's hopefully at full strength roaring into the playoffs, you have to wonder how tenable it is, if it's even sane, to be feeding double-digit possessions every game to a guy who's shooting as poorly as Jamal is. Because the Clippers' offense is producing at a higher rate than Jamal Crawford's offense is. Every other, you know, Chris Paul pick and roll possessions, Austin Rivers driving to the rim possessions, Austin Rivers spotting up, J.J. Redick spotting up. All of these plays are producing better than Jamal Crawford's plays. So at a certain point, he's the the guy who is supposed to be your offensive spark, but he doesn't help much on defense. If he's your weak point offensively, you have to question if he can really be a key part of your lineup. Um, 
and he's been a key part of the lineup for the last five years when as you know as long as he's been here and it'll be really really interesting to see you know we we saw Doc Rivers go away from Paul Pierce this year which is something that I know a lot of people just gave up hope for a lot of people said Doc's gonna play Paul Pierce it's you know that's how it is and he hasn't so maybe at a certain point Doc will go away from Jamal but I think what would be better for everyone for the team obviously for Jamal himself for Doc for Jamal's trade value in the future even would be if Jamal can step his game up um a lot of this you know his 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 numbers weren't as low 10 games ago before he went into this slump and that's not to say you know it's it's an average so 10 games matters in a 40 game sample size and if he had 10 bad games and he didn't have a good enough other 30 games to make up for that, his averages are going to be bad, of course. Um, you know, and he had a quote last year where he said, well, if you go through and take out my worst eight games, I've actually been good. Well, it's like, yeah, duh. You know, if you if you take out your best eight games, you've been horrible. Um, but, I, you know, I'm maybe he's he's banged up. He's been playing a lot of minutes with the injuries. I know Doc said they were planning on getting him some rest games and then they weren't able to because of the injury situations. So hopefully Jamal gets back on track. Hopefully this last 10-game stretch is not just a, a normal slump but really an unusual series of events. Um, and his last half of the season will be much better than his first half of the season and pull those averages back up because right now it's looking kind of ugly. Um so I'm going C- minus for Jamal. I don't know if I said that earlier. I've been talking about him for a while. Um, but yeah, I, w I went C- minus for Jamal. So first batch of midseason grades. went. Um, we're going with a medical exemption for Bryce Johnson, incomplete for Diamond Stone, C for Allen Anderson, D-plus for Wesley Johnson, F for Paul Pierce, B for Brandon Bass, and C- minus for Jamal Crawford. Um, hey, listen. The Clippers are playing the Lakers tomorrow. Don't forget, it's an afternoon game, 12.30. Um, hopefully they can keep this winning streak going. You know, Houston lost the other night, so the Clippers are now only four games back. But they're in a little bit of a tough spot with two more games against Golden State before the All-Star break. And then they've got, as part of, you know, one of those games is part of one of two five-game road trips that they have between now and the All-Star break. And... Part of the second road trip, they have an at Boston, at Toronto, back-to-back, -back, which is brutal. So, they need to win these games. They need to win games against the Lakers. you got to beat this team. And you probably have to win the Oklahoma City game on Monday, too. But you definitely have to win games that they have coming up. You know, Lakers, Nuggets, 76ers, Hawks. These aren't teams that you can lose to with the schedule as tough as it is. And the margin of error as slim as it is to catch Houston for the three seed. Alright guys, I'll see you guys on Monday. Thanks for listening. This is Lucas Hand signing off for Lockdown Clippers.
It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17